Stand with me if you would tonight as we go into the Lord's Holy Scripture. We're in John chapter 3 and verse 22. We'll pick right up here in verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem. Because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples, and a few with a Jew about... Let me back up. Verse 25. There arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing all who are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. Verse 30, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He is of the earth. He who is of the earth is from the earth. And speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32. What he has seen and heard of that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this. That God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. And he gives the spirit without measure. And the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your, for your Word that blesses our hearts, it blesses our souls, Lord. It gives us, it gives us encouragement. It gives us wisdom and understanding. It enlightens our minds and it enlightens our spirit. It just, it just fills us up, Lord. Your word is life to our souls. Father, we thank you for the blessings of life that you give us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that, that not only we know exists, but we can feel you, Lord, in our souls. Lord, we're thankful for that blessed assurance that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of whosoever will that will come and drink of the water of life freely, Lord. He is our Savior. And that's who we want to speak about tonight, is Jesus. Lord, we thank you for our church. Lord, we thank you for everyone that's here tonight, Lord. And we pray that every word that is spoken tonight will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. In, uh, seems like it's been two or three weeks since I've been up here for some reason. 
You ever get like that sometimes? It's like it's just, it's just been a, a while. But uh, I've had a busy week. But I've um, struggled with this, with this message this week. I'll admit to you, there's times that, that I struggle putting messages, messages together. And sometimes you're a little bit tempted to skip ahead and find something that's a little easier to talk about. Truthful, truthful. But the truth is, we don't want to leave any, any of God's word, that word out. We always want to uh, expose or exposit upon all of the scriptures, every verse. And so tonight I'm going to try to do that. Pray for me. Um, as we try to expose even more of the gospel that is according to John the Apostle, Jesus, by this time, here in verse 3, by this time, uh, Jesus has, has now, uh, he cleansed the temple. And you know that he cleansed the temple because of the sale of merchandise. There was business going on in, in, in the temple. And he was, he's, uh, by now, he's performed great miracles. He turned the water into wine. Pure old water, he turned into the best, sweetest, best wine that could ever be consumed. And it was the good wine, by the way. And most recently, we saw where he spoke with Nicodemus. He took Nicodemus to school, if you will. He let Nicodemus know that it was necessary that one must be born again. One must be born again. A new birth must take place. Then we come to verse 22, chapter 3. And I've entitled this message tonight, Christ Increased. Christ Increased. After these things, let's review these scriptures. After these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and was baptizing. John, John, and, and John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there and people were coming and were being baptized for John had not yet been thrown into prison. At this time, at this time, John the Baptist was still able to preach. Oh, the persecution was beginning was beginning to take place. But at this time, John the Baptist was still able to preach. And he, he preached what? He preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That ought to be the same message of every minister today. Everyone who claims to be a minister of the gospel ought to always be constantly reminding the people of God and that those that are not born again repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's very near to His, his coming. His coming is soon. And we must, must be ready. John had not yet been cast into prison, but he's going to. And we know ultimately he's going to lose his, his head. But John the Baptist was faithful. He was faithful. And look at this, verse 25. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples and a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you testified, behold, he is baptizing. And all are coming to him. Now we saw earlier in this book that at least one of John's disciples left him and followed Jesus. 
I know you know which one it was. Somebody want to blurt it out? Andrew. Remember, Andrew was the first to follow Jesus. Remember, G, uh, uh, the, uh, John the Baptist was, was saying, there he is, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. And immediately, Andrew turned and followed Jesus and another disciple as well. But this was not a sign of disloyalty that, that, the, that the Apostle Andrew would leave John the Baptist because John the Baptist had been pointing his disciples. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. There's one that's coming after me whose shoes I'm not unworthy, that I'm not worthy to unloose. But John, he pointed his disciples to Jesus, and he told them the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, John didn't have what it took to help his disciples ultimately. They all needed Jesus. So here John has disciples. They were intensely loyal to him. Here on this occasion, when John was down there baptizing and Jesus was down the river down there baptizing and and more people were loyal to Jesus and these disciples had a problem with that and they were but they were intensely loyal to John the Baptist and they found it impossible to turn from from John and give their allegiance to this man named Jesus and it was troubling to them that more people you know what what was going on down there were Jesus's disciples Jesus didn't baptize but his disciples did But it was disturbing to them that all of the crowd were rushing down there where Jesus was baptizing. Now listen, or or his disciples were baptizing. There's a a real message to to learn from this. They wanted people to, to continue to come to John. It's apparent that envy had gripped these disciples as they saw John's ministry losing its popularity to another ministry. And John's disciples had, had missed the purpose of, of John's ministry. Lord, have mercy. I hope everyone knows that as pastors of a church, people don't follow no pastor. You follow Christ. You follow the Lamb of God. We only remind the church, hey, we're not the one. We'll tell you about the one. We'll point you to the one, and you point me to the one, but we're not the one. There is one, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So let's make sure we never miss the purpose of why we're here, why we come to church, why we attend church. And I don't think we have anyone that's misunderstanding that, but I just wanted to, uh, to point that out. I believe that envy had gripped these men uh, because of what uh, Jesus' ministry was doing. And they were, there may be a little jealousy had slipped in, and they were, they were disappointed that people, more folks weren't coming to their church. More people weren't gathering where they were gathering. They didn't like their preacher as well. They didn't like their message as well, perhaps. But John was not distressed one bit. John was not envious of what Jesus and his disciples were doing on down the river there. He was not distressed in one bit. In fact, John is the last Old Testament preacher. He's the last Old Testament prophet. And he was well pleased with the fact 
that Jesus and his disciples were baptizing. The purpose of his ministry, the purpose of our ministry, has always been to testify of the one whose sandals he was unworthy to untie. Now, John testified of a man who had a higher rank than he had. And John's reply to his troubled disciples was very instructive for you and I here tonight. Look at this. John answered and said, a man, listen, there's so much wisdom in this. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. All good things come from God. To see Jesus' ministry growing, it delighted John the Baptist. You know something? To see a church across the way over there growing, it ought to delight us. It ought to cause us to joy and, uh, and rejoice for them. There's too much jealousy among the church world today. And Pastor Steve was talking about it earlier today. It's a shame that more churches can't bind together. We know there's only one church. Unless you've never been told this, there's only one church. And it's not mine and it's not yours. But it's His. If we could all come together with that one purpose in mind, I'm telling you, I believe this town would see the light of Jesus in the church body that exists here. But instead, you've got a few in this church over here a few in that church over there, maybe a little more over there. They're all off on their own little islands. Maybe we're guilty ourselves. Maybe we're part of that. I hope we're not. If we are, maybe we ought to try to correct that. But John said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You know, the Lord will bless where and when he determines to do so. Even while his, his own ministry was in decline, John the Baptist, he was delighted that Jesus' ministry was doing well. John understood, I am the forerunner. I'm not the one. Look to him. God is the Father of all that we receive. So John is content to see Jesus receiving the greater honor. We ought to be content that Jesus gets the greater honor of all that we do here in this assembly. Jesus Christ is the one who is to be adored and to be glorified and to receive all honor. All honor that the Father has bestowed upon Him. Now, John went on to say here in verse 28, You yourselves are my witnesses. In other words, listen up, guys. I told you this. I, I spoke it to you as plain as I could speak. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent. I have been sent ahead of him. John's stern reminder here that I am not the Christ was a rebuke of his jealous disciples for their inability to understand. From the start, John had declared that he was a voice, a voice, a messenger. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the herald of the kingdom of God. He was the forerunner of the king himself. Let me stop it there just a moment. You know something? It is such an honor to be a 
to be a, 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 an ambassador, as the preacher was talking about this morning, to be an ambassador for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm glad to be a part of His church. I'm glad to be a part of the bridegroom of Christ, of the bride of Christ. From the start, John had declared that he was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He was the herald of the kingdom of God. He was the forerunner of the king himself. So he was thrilled to see the manifestation of the one, Jesus, whom the Father had sent. He sent him as the Messiah. He had pointed to Jesus throughout his ministry. And now his testimony to the Messiah was beginning to bear fruit. Here it was. So further to clarify, John said in verse 29, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. Keep in mind that John the Baptist is the last of the Old Testament prophets. The reality is John is... Did you know that John the Baptist is is actually not in the church? John the Baptist is not actually in in, in the church. We see that he says here, he who has the bride. The bride represents the church, right? The bride represents the, the, the church. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. John is not the groom, but he says that he is a friend of the bridegroom. But don't worry about it now. John is going to be in heaven too. John too will be present in the marriage supper of the Lamb. But he is not a part of the New Testament church. If you recall, he passed away before the day of Pentecost. Before the church began. John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. He walks out of the Old Testament onto the pages of the New Testament and he announces the coming of the Messiah. John was saying, I am not the bridegroom. The bride isn't mine. The bride is his. It belongs to him. But I am the best man, John says. I am the best man and I get to go to the wedding feast and I get to stand next to the bridegroom as he enters into the joy of his wedding. that sink in just a moment. Can you imagine a, a wedding? The bridegroom, Christ, you'll be there. Think about that. What a beautiful wedding it must be. There's going to be so much celebration, so much happiness. No doubt there will be dancing, Praising and worshiping and adore of everything will be beautiful. John has the unspeakable privilege to be a best man, to be a friend. For John, that was an unspeakable privilege. It was a joy that was matchless and immeasurable. He didn't covet the bride, he didn't want the bride. 
It wasn't his bride. But he delighted to stand with the bridegroom on the occasion of that glorious day, that glorious wedding. Now notice John's humble view of, of himself in relation to Jesus. Friends, we need a humble view of ourselves. Look at this. John says to his disciples, He must increase. I must decrease. Once the king had arrived, there was no reason for the crowds to come hanging around John anymore. The king had already arrived. He was down there with his disciples and they were baptizing. It was God's will for John to give way to Jesus. He didn't come as the Messiah, but he came as a forerunner of him. John had his marching orders from God. You and I have our marching orders. Read the Bible if you want to know what your marching orders are. John had his marching orders from God, and he was called to go before Christ. And once he, once he had announced Christ, then John was to go into the background that Christ might emerge into the fullness. He must increase. We must decrease. Jesus was to emerge into the fullness of his leadership as the appointed Messiah. You'll notice here, it's necessary. John says it's necessary. It's not optional. It's necessary. This has to happen. It has to take place. I have to decrease, and he has to increase. It must be so. It will be so. A lesson for all today as well as for John's disciples. Look at verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Jesus is distinguished from all of humans who've ever walked the face of the earth. He is below nothing, but he is above everything. Would you agree with that? Yet he's willing, he willingly brought himself down And he took on the flesh of man. That is, he descended from his high and lifted up and lofty place beside the Father, his place in heaven, and he put on flesh. And that is what Jesus did. He took on flesh. Flesh hurts. Flesh suffers. Flesh gets lonely. Flesh dies. In contrast to John the Baptist declaring himself to be of the earth, from the earth, and one who speaks of the earth, John was just a man. He was fully human. Oh, but there was a man named Jesus who was fully God, and he was fully man. And all all of his testimony, his testimony to the truth was infinitely greater than John the Baptist or anyone else's for that matter. It's all about Jesus. It's all about believing this scripture tonight. It's all about believing that he was and is the Son of God. In reference to to Jesus' own message, John said here in verse 32, he says, help me out back there. Verse 32, I'll go ahead and read it. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. What John is saying here. Is saying of Jesus here is this. He's saying what he has seen and heard in the heavenly realm. You see, Jesus came from heaven. He saw things that we've never seen. 
He heard things that we had never heard. And he spoke of them. And man would not receive it. No one receives his testimony. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, God spoke long ago through the fathers and the prophets. The last of the greatest of whom here, as I said, is John the Baptist. But in the New Covenant, God, in these last days, the Scripture says that He has spoken to us in His Son. Now, John acknowledges that only Jesus is the divine source of revelation to man. For only Jesus has firsthand knowledge of the heavenly realm. Only Jesus knows what you and I have to look forward to. He told us that it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. He told us that He's going to prepare a place for you and I, and I, I don't believe we're going to be one bit disappointed when we see it. But Jesus' testimony is infinitely superior to anyone else's. If Jesus talks about how wonderful heaven is, I believe it, don't you? Je- what Jesus says is absolutely true. It's completely trustworthy. For it was given to him from the Father to express to mankind. But I want you to notice, the Scriptures here says that no one receives his, t- his testimony. No one. Now, this is actually hyperbol- a, a, a hyperbolic statement emphasizing the fact that neither Christ's own nation nor the world at large is ready to receive him. Look at our world today. The world seems less ready to receive Christ than ever before. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. He says, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The world does not receive his testimony. Why? Because they are dead in their trespasses. They are dead in their sins. The world doesn't receive the testimony of Jesus for another reason that we've talked about. And that's because Satan has blinded their minds. He has. Look here, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the glory of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know who the God of this world is, don't you? Satan, I want to read that again. The God of this world has blinded the minds. You want to know why you're having difficulty reaching those you love? Because the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That's what Satan does. He puts the blinders on so that people cannot see. The non-believing world rejects Jesus' testimony to the truth. Being spiritually dead, they can't understand. They can't accept the things of the Spirit. They can't accept the things of the Spirit of God. And Satan has blinded their minds from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There was a widespread opposition to Jesus and the religious leaders of His time, rejecting Him almost universally. 
But amid that opposition, there were those whose eyes and ears that God had opened. And if you're here tonight and you profess to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's because He has opened your eyes, He's opened your mind, and He's given you ears to hear. The Bible says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's allowed you to hear. In that rejoice, we're going to be in heaven together. Does that make you happy? It ought to make you rest well. No matter what. It ought to make us rest well. But amid that opposition, there were those whose eyes and ears God had opened and, and who heard the truth of Jesus Christ. They heard the words of Jesus Christ and they received His teaching. Verse 33 says, He who has received His testimony has set His seal to this, that God is God can't lie. That's the one thing we know the Bible says that God can't do. God can't lie. Although, although the majority of the people rejected Jesus' message, not everyone did. Not all did. There are those who accept His testimony, believing in Him for eternal life. Are you glad that you have eternal life? Aren't you glad that it's not that you're going to have eternal life? but you have eternal life right now? The seal has been set, you see. Those who fully receive, look at this, His testimony, they are said to set their seal to this, that God is true. Now, in the ancient world, people set their seal, and they usually are often used a signet ring to do it as a sign of complete acceptance. They would often use this signet ring as a stamp of approval or a stamp of acceptance to something. To truly receive Christ's testimony is to willfully approve of and to forever submit to His Lordship and receive His teachings. Aren't you glad that you're sealed? John continues here verse 34. For He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for He gives the Spirit. Without measure. If we consider the Old Testament prophets, including John the Baptist, we find that they were empowered, they were led, and they were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we must do too. It's what the minister was saying this morning. If we're going to go out and do something for the Lord, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Wait upon the Holy Spirit. But all of these men, they were fallen. All of these men, they were born with a sinful nature. Therefore, the power of the Holy Spirit was limited for earthly men. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit wasn't limited for Jesus Christ. He was sinless. But, the, but for the rest of us, the power of the Holy Spirit is limited because we're not sinless. 
We are earthly men kind. We, we are people of the flesh. Jesus was infallible. He was sent of the Father. And He spoke infallibly the words that the Father wanted Him to speak. The words of God. And could do so because God poured out the Spirit on the Son in immersible dimensions without measure. There were no limits to the Spirit's power working through Him. Since in Him, look at this, since in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Now look closely here at verse uh, 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hands. The Father has given all authority over all of the earth, over all of the heavens. He's given all the power unto His Son, Jesus, because of His love for Him. Now, the good news of this is, it's important for us to realize that God not only loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son for His people, but it's also important for us to understand that the love that the Father has for us is grounded in the love that the Father has from all of eternity for His Son. Just as surely as God loved His Son, He loves you. Just as surely. And we can rest in knowing this. We're not the the natural children of God. Instead, we're the adopted children of God. We've been engrafted into the family of God. It is by and through Jesus. And even our election must all be also be understood to be in light of the victorious, sinless Son of God. There is no way to bypass the Son. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hands. This was to be the last recorded testimony of John the Baptist. John's going to leave the pages of the book of John to go into prison. But John leaves us with this. Verse 36. This is a good testimony for our loved ones. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. I see in this a promising invitation. And I see into this a most dire warning. The glorious reality is this. He who comes in the Son, or he who believes in the Son, has eternal life. Listen. When a person truly believes in the Son of God, that individual is granted eternal life right then. As I said earlier, eternal life is not a future hope. It's not a hope so. We need not hope for eternal life. Why? Because we already have eternal life. Because if you are a true believer in the Son, you already have it. It's a present possession. Look here at John uh, 5 and 24. These are the words of Jesus. See it in red? Those are the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believe him, believes him who sent me. What does that say? Has. Has. He who believes, him who sent me, has. 
eternal life. Doesn't say he will have. Doesn't say he might have. Doesn't say he hopes to have. It says he has eternal life. You see, Satan wants to, wants to disturb us. As Michelle was talking this morning about, or, or tonight, about the troubles that, that are all around us. And it's true. They are. But because we believe, we have repented, and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have eternal life, and we do not come into judgment, but we have passed out of death. We have, Look at this. But has passed out of death into life. You see, death was upon all of us before we came to Christ. Death was, was the verdict for us. That was the penalty. But Jesus paid the penalty on the cross. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Let me tell you. You're born again tonight. You have all that you need. You have all the hope that you need in this world and beyond. But death cannot hold you. The grave cannot hold you. You are victorious. This too ought to make you rest well when you go to bed tonight. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to make us rest easy. But listen, that's not all. There's more. We must not look over it. We don't need to leave it out. Look at this. As surely as we know that we're going to heaven because we're born again, we've repented of our sin and we're born again, as surely as we know that, look at this, we've got to cover this too. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. That's the whole truth. That's not half truth. That's the whole truth and nothing but the whole truth. True faith in the Son will produce obedience in the Son. Preacher touched on that this morning. We're going to obey Him. We're going to have fruits because we believe in Him. Obedience to the Son is essential. It's essential. It's an, it's a, an essential element of saving faith. The Bible here teaches that the terrible reality is that the wrath of God, look at this, the wrath of God, the wrath of God presently and continually abides on those who refuse to obey and believe in Christ Jesus. Refusing to believe will lead to the wrath of God. We looked at that immensely last year. The book of Revelation, we saw that the church was carried away before the tribulation began. We had the tribulation and then we had the great tribulation. I'm telling you, we don't want to get into the tribulation. The only escape of this terrifying fate, the only way to avoid the wrath of God, that is to come to the disobedient, to those who refuse to obey, to those who refuse to repent of sin and believe in Jesus Christ. The only way to avoid that wrath is to come to the Savior of the world. And for those of us who are true followers of Christ, let's remember, as the title of my message is tonight, Christ increase. He must increase. You and I must decrease.
He is Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. That's true. Stand with me, if you will. My prayer tonight is that we seek God's glory, church, rather than our own. My prayer tonight is that your whole household comes to faith in Jesus Christ. One way or or the other, but perhaps because they saw the light of Jesus in you. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're the salt. People are watching you. They're watching me. And they're making judgments. They're, They're deciding whether or not you are a man or a woman of God. They're deciding whether or not you're the real deal. People are looking at you all the time. They're looking at you and they're looking at me too. So let's live what we preach. Let's live what we say. Let's seek God's glory and not our own. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the church that we have. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the truth that you have given us. And it it encourages us so much. It blesses our soul. It gives us it gives us joy and peace knowing that, Lord, you already have it all worked out. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to strive for it. We just have to believe it and walk in it and live in it. Pretty simple. Lord, we give you praise for, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for our uh, attendance on Sunday morning. We thank you, Lord, for our attendance on Sunday night. All of the people, Lord, that, that are here working in this assembly Uh, behind the scenes, making things happen, doing wonderful works for you, God. Bless them. Bless their home. Lord, bless bless their ministry. Lord, we pray that Hope in Christ will, will experience a great growth in spiritual growth this year and that we'll experience a great uh, growth in number and that people will come that has never been to church before and they'll see something here and hear something here. That something is you. That they'll see you here, Lord. And they'll, they'll uh, long for it, Lord, and your spirit will draw them. Lord, we pray that, that everyone in this town becomes saved. Everyone in this town, not one, will be left outside. Lord, we pray that we can be a lighthouse in the darkened time that we live in. Father, we pray for, for the sick. There are many that are, that are hurting, that are struggling. And, Lord, we just pray, uh, Lord, that uh, you hear the prayers of of the saints of God that are calling out to you, Lord, for healing and are calling out, Lord, to you for help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to mention to you, you can go ahead and cut the, cut the feed. I want to ask you all to come up, stand up here closely with me, if you will. I'm not going to hit nobody. I'm not going to spit on nobody. Just come up here for a minute. When everybody come up this way, Sister Wanda, she brought this box in here, uh, and this is full of this is full of prayer requests. Now, I don't know how many prayer requests are in this box. I don't know how many how many has to do with sickness or how many has to do with someone who is dying or you know what the situation is. But somebody believes. That if they'll write their prayer down on a piece of paper and put it in this box, they believe that you are going to pray. And so Wanda brought it in here, and I thought it was a wonderful idea to let's pray for 
these prayers, we don't know who it is or what it, what it all, it's all about. God knows every single one of them. But we need to be a praying church. Uh, and uh, so let's pray uh, tonight that uh, the Lord will, will answer and help in every situation. There are so many people that are hurting. There are so many people that are sick, so many people that are afflicted. And you may have a, a prayer that, that needs to... Let me ask you right quick. And you take... I say right quick. You take your time. We're on, on God's time. Does anybody have a, pres, uh, a special prayer request before we go and we, we begin to pray for what's in this box? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. 